Welcome to the Insider Outsider Podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders around the globe about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WMFDP and FDP Global specialize in helping insiders understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders, as well as outsiders, in partnering and building inclusive teams and organizations. I'm your host, Michael Welp, co-founder of the diversity and inclusion leadership development firm WMFDP and FDP Global, also a TEDx presenter and author of the book, Four Days to Change. Welcome to this episode of the Insider Outsider Podcast. Today, I'm joined with my co-interviewer here, Wayne Pignolet, who's our VP of Operations at WMFDP. Wayne and I facilitated uh, a White Men's Caucus for uh, Jumpstart, and um, two folks here we're interviewing. Ray Leach, who's the CEO of Jumpstart in Cleveland, and Adam Kaufman has been an advisor there and is also the founder of Up2 Foundation. So, um, Wayne, why don't you kick it off? Uh, What do you want to ask, folks? Well, first of all, I just want to say that uh, I'm really – Grateful to be on this this podcast with uh, the two folks from Cleveland. For those of you, most of you will not know this about me. I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Lived there for forty years, and uh, I have a dog named Buckeye. The next dog will be named Rufus. For anybody who's an Ohio Come State back. fan, you know exactly what I mean, right? The boomerang. But uh, we threaten every once in a while. Anyways, uh, so with that background, yeah. So let's start with you, Ray, because you were the original contact that we actually had what we call a white men's caucus. Can you just tell, tell us a little bit first, first of all about Jumpstart and then talk about, uh, let's start with that. Yeah, um, so Jumpstart's a 501c3 nonprofit economic development organization headquartered in Cleveland. We've been in business for 16 years. I'm the founder of the organization. And for the last uh, period of time, we've been working with diverse and ambitious entrepreneurs who have a goal to create economic opportunity uh, for themselves, for their families, and for for our broader community. And our work originally began in the tech space, kind of venture capital focused. And over time, that work continues in the tech side, but we've also broadened our work to the broader economy and ecosystem. So today we're a staff of about 60 of us. Uh, headquartered in Cleveland, but also with offices uh, in uh, Toledo, Ohio, and in Syracuse, New York. Um, and so we're doing work across all of Ohio and upstate and western New York today. Gotcha. And my understanding was Jumpstart, part of the vision when you started was to help entrepreneurs who, because there is, wasn't really a venture capital culture in Cleveland, or at least not a, a a very strong one. And it was really to come in and that's where the 501c3. So I, I think I've heard you describe you as a public private organization. Yeah, absolutely. We're a public private and philanthropic partnership. And the original visioning uh, for the organization at its founding was to do exactly that, to kind of solve the chicken or egg or the early, early, early stage investing conundrum, not just for places like Cleveland, but for, you know, at that time, 98 percent of the country, uh, at least the landmass of the country where, you know, even today, um, 85% of the venture capital and tech industry is located in five states. 
So you have this, uh, the haves and the have-nots, and certainly Cleveland would be an example in the early 2000s as a place where there was not a lot of early stage seed capital uh, for tech businesses. So that was the founding of Jumpstart, and we continue to invest in tech companies in Ohio, but we've also evolved our work um, as since, again, we're really about economic opportunity, one of the conclusions we came into uh, maybe 10 years into our work, or a little earlier, probably 2010, 2012, is that the odds of Jumpstart investing in a Google or a Microsoft that would create tens of thousands of jobs, spillover jobs for folks in the broader economy, the odds of that were not very significant. So as we were successful coaching and investing in tech companies, we, uh, we really evolved our work to now work with entrepreneurs across all industries, but a particular focus on Black, Latinx, and female entrepreneurs in, uh, in the inner city, um, not just Cleveland, but other cities um, across Ohio and upstate and western New York. So it was really this evolution of what can, could, and should we do uh, as a nonprofit economic development organization, first founding focused on tech. And by the way, you know, still a large percentage of the tech entrepreneurs we're investing in are black and Latinx and female as well. So it's not like the tech side is just white guys and the right. non-tech side is uh, just people of color. I mean, there's a great mix between those two categories of entrepreneurs, but it's been, it's really been my uh, my focus for the last 16 years is try to figure out how to help the greatest number of entrepreneurs and small businesses, which of course have a huge spillover benefit to the larger community. Yeah, that's great. And I think that that diversity piece and that inclusion piece is how you got to us. But before we get to that, I want to come over to Adam, because first of all, Adam, I know that you have been an advisor, I believe, on your website for over five years to jumpstart. But it would be interesting to talk about a little bit about your organization how you work with Jumpstart, um, and wherever else you want to go with that. Thanks, and thanks for having me, both of you. Um, I spend most of my time in venture capital, and part of that is with this terrific organization we just heard about, Jumpstart. And in addition to that, I'm also a partner in a Palo Alto-based venture fund in Northern California. So between Jumpstart and that fund, I'm spending most of my time either raising capital or working with early stage entrepreneurs on growing their businesses. So I'm being brief just to get through all that quickly. And then my other passion is I have a podcast that I don't know if you guys have ever been on a podcast before, but um, <laughs> just recently. Uh, yeah, I have one. I have one as well called up to, and we feature leaders who are as humble as they are successful. The key piece for my show is the humility side because we all know the type of leader who leads by anger or fear or just authority you know by memo i like to showcase leaders who are leading by example and that they're meek but not weak and mm -hmm. i hope that we can inspire more people to be humble in their own walks of life by listening to the show and seeing that you can be meek and still accomplish a lot mm -hmm. So venture capital and then the up to podcast with the up to foundation. Great. Yep. So then let's bring it back to the work that the two of you have done together and, and uh, you're both Clevelanders, right? So I imagine that has not just geographically, but also some care for what happens in Cleveland. Ray, I know again that you've grown a little bit past that, but 
that Cleveland is a huge part of what you or Northern Ohio wanted to help with. So how does that, your partnerships, uh, how has that helped? How have you worked together? Well, Jumpstart's had a 16 year history of working, you know, in the community and in economic development, it is kind of logarithmic. So you build upon the partnerships and the collaborations uh, that you get involved in and invest in. And so Jumpstart now has um, had the good fortune of having incredible partnerships on the public, private, philanthropic side. But as it relates to Adam, we also have the opportunity to engage with folks who not only have incredible backgrounds as it relates to um, community and to organizational growth, but also to connections to uh, leaders and, and in Adam's case, uh, other ecosystems. So, you know, certainly if you're in the venture capital world, um, regardless of where you're living or investing, um, you know, there's no uh, place better, stronger, and more important than Silicon Valley. And so when Adam and I originally met, and I was th sitting here thinking about well, how did Adam and I originally meet? Uh, but it certainly was in Cleveland. Um, and I was really intrigued by not only Adam as a person, um, who's a very sincere and direct and, and, uh, and fun, but serious person who's trying to make a difference, um, in the community. And it really had, he at the time had an interest in trying to get a better sense and understanding of kind of the venture capital ecosystem, not just in Cleveland and, but also Ohio and the Midwest. And that's kind of what I've been spending all my time on. So, um, and at the same time, Adam has an incredible background with um, high net worth family offices and different leaders and stakeholders inside Ohio and actually globally. And so I saw as Jumpstart was evolving its work and looking for new partners, there was just a natural synergy, not just with what Adam knows and who he's connected to, but probably more importantly, who he is, what motivates him to do what he does and uh, his orientation um, around living and working and, and getting involved in things where I, you know, we are very, very um, uh, compatible, I guess, that we had a similar uh, perspective and point of view on the opportunities to make a difference. Thanks, Ray. And enough about me. That's very nice of you. Uh, remember, you had me do the Strength Finder uh, Marcus Buckingham online thing, and you told me that I was the only person who had like four of the five top attributes were similar to yours. Do you remember that? Well, there you go. I had forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So congratulations and my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to, I want to ask both of you about, um, how, you know, coming into this, Ray, what, how did you know about the Whiteman's caucus and, and how you made that link? And I imagine, um, you know, it was a bit of a courageous move on your part to actually recruit folks maybe curious about how that went as well as when you both waded into it together, the, you know, the beginning of the four days and started to see what it was like, what was that experience like for both of you? And also by Ray or however we go before you answer, it might be worth just talking a little bit how we got to that. We had a white men's caucus. Yeah. That's, uh, I was going to give some, some background. Yeah. So I came to learn about WM. <laughs> well, I so I came to learn about WMFDP as I was working through my the beginning of kind of my learning process around what it means to be uh, privileged, 
to be a white male uh, in our society. And this process really began for me about eight years ago uh, in, in a serious way as a result of my work at Jumpstart. So I could give you all sorts of examples uh, around how my lack of understanding uh, mm. of, in and around my privilege really complicated uh, my understanding and my ability to be effective uh, in leading an organization that had a, you know, a very intentional focus on benefiting uh, entrepreneurs across our economy. So it was really through this process that I ended up coming across uh, WMFDP as an organization and then finding the book Four Days to Change. And um, having the opportunity to read the book and study materials from the organization led me to the 12 radical habits, kind of the new mindset, which was transformational for me. Um, in that, you know, I, it is fair to say, uh, almost everything in my life I have traditionally seen as a problem for me to solve. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the first mindset <laughs> of the 12 is that, you know, uh, the ability for an individual or a subset of folks to work on these issues around diversity and inclusion, uh, they're way too complex, way too big, way too challenging to, to fully understand, let alone to, uh, uh, for, some, for any individual uh, to be able to solve. And so I started leaning in on these mindsets, and it actually was incredibly helpful to me to, do a, to, to understand the work that I was in my organization was challenged to do and to be much more effective. Um, along with WMFDP, the other organization that was incredibly helpful to my learning is a, is a group called the Racial Equity Institute. Oh, I was going to bring that up. You've got it all. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. I'll, I'll do, stop. Do you, no, no. Um, do, you want to, do you want us to interrupt like this or do you want to just... Yeah. Open conversation. It's feel free to open, just, just go for it. Right back and forth. Yeah, now. no, but keep keep going, Ray. I was just trying to make him laugh. But <laughs> I, I like REI. Yeah. So <laughs> so the the Racial Equity Institute was incredibly helpful to both me and to my organization, and now uh, to the greater Cleveland community. And that there's been three four thousand professionals who've gone through some orientation around the issues, challenges, dimensions of equity. Um, and that ended up creating a scenario where, okay, I feel like I know enough and I understand and appreciate enough of these challenges and opportunities that I'd love to go to a caucus. You know, that it, I've read the book, you know, I have a sense of what the in-person caucus would be. And I think it can be a, a real catalyst to understanding and change. Whereas the Racial Equity Institute was also valuable, but that was in a mixed environment where there's different mm -hmm. genders, different races, and we're going through a collective learning experience. That was incredibly helpful. But, you know, this white man caucus idea is really interesting. And I did come to believe and understand that if we're going to make the level of change that we have the opportunity to make in the U.S. society, white men have an incredibly significant role to play because we have most of the power and we have access to most of the resources. So, of course, I, I kind of came to that conclusion right before COVID. And then obviously when COVID hit, um, my office reached out to uh, 
to your team and learned that you're providing the opportunity to have a caucus virtually. And so obviously the caucus that we just went through uh, was a virtual one and, and I thought uh, did a great job of replicating as best as any virtual session can, um, you know, this in-person experience. So then it was, okay, well, I need to invite 20-ish uh, white men to the caucus. And so um, who are, I ended up inviting maybe 80 mm. white men to get involved in the caucus. Uh, and I ended up with the 20 individuals uh, that participated. And that ended up really being a collaboration, not just with people affiliated with Jumpstart, but also uh, the Greater Akron Chamber of Commerce who... <laughs> They were able to bring um, about eight folks to the to the event. So um, it was interesting. I expected out of the eighty I asked, I I anticipated that there'd be more folks um, who would have been interested in leaning in. And this was a little bit after George Floyd. Um, certainly, that uh, these issues and topics. Uh, were higher on uh, probably the average white men's radar than might have been previous. But at the same time, this was a four-day session requiring uh, 16 to 18 hours of time. So that was a big time commitment. Mm -hmm. but, um, but, you know, I was really happy with uh, the experience. Um, and, uh, and now I'm really in the process of circling back to with other participants to, to see kind of what's next. Because, you know, for me, this was in some ways, a little bit of a circling back because I'd read the book and I'd done a lot mm -hmm. of work. Um, and, and this content hits everybody wherever they're at. And certainly, I wouldn't say I'm any more advanced <laughs> than anyone else per se. It's just I've been working on it and reading on it and studying on it for, you know, for eight years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I, and I'd like to bring this, Adam, over to you. So you came in as a participant. It sounds like you've uh, had some other work around diversity, plus the work that you've done on humility. So I'm wondering, so you came into the, the caucus, you didn't really know us, I assume you hadn't read the book? Or, no, I didn't read the book. No, I just knew it was important to Ray, and I'm always trying to open up my heart, and I'm, I consider myself a seeker, so I just thought if it's mm. important to Ray, and if I'm trying to learn more about myself, then this would be a nice way to try to do that. And Ray, what, what, what struck you about the time there? What, what hit you most in terms of the learning that was most valuable for you? And what I'm curious too, how that intersects with having it just be white guys, what that was like. Yeah, I, I think um, knowing and appreciating um, that much of this content and mindset is new for the average 40 to 50 year old white guy. And what was helpful to me was to see how um, individuals with, uh, we had much in common, of course, but we also have, you know, things that are different and separate and unique. How, and I didn't know, I knew about half the folks in the uh, caucus reasonably well, uh, but the other half, I didn't really know much at all. It's just kind of one connecting with everyone in the caucus and seeing how and appreciating how different individuals were processing what they were hearing, not just, for, you know, from the conveners, uh, uh, but also each other and really appreciating um, how the participants really leaned in and were serious about the work and and listening and watching how 
the insights were informing the way they were thinking on the topic in general was a was was interesting and valuable uh, to me as I'm thinking about how can I broaden the mix of uh, white guys who can connect to this content. Mm. So it's really helping get guys on the same page who are coming from different views. What about you, so. uh, Adam? For you know, what struck you most about the White Men's Caucus and those what landed in your head and heart from that time? I think uh, you two, the hosts, the facilitators, did a particularly good job in making diverse viewpoints feel welcome. I'm often in settings where that is stated, but it is not the reality. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes in a crowd that explains that we want diverse and alternative viewpoints, it's usually the, quote, liberal, unquote, viewpoints that are most welcome. Mm -hmm. And that kind of makes me kind of, kind of get more guarded and be more introverted, but you two really did a fine job. And then the, I think because it's like a culture, it's a little culture in our conference, in our caucus, top down led culture, you created a good culture. So the other participants also made everyone else feel welcome. And I think that was really special. And I've told a lot of people about that. And that's mm -hmm. why I wrote, wrote you what I wrote um, you know, privately afterwards. So happy to mm -hmm. uh, sing, sing the praises of your important work and the organization. Mm -hmm. Thanks. You know, when, when, yeah, we've, we've found over our 23 years or so that it, this, this work is important for all of us across the political spectrum, and it's mm -hmm. not, not a political issue, although it can be cast as one. So, yeah, and, so, yeah. and with the wrong facilitation, it can quickly become a, a political issue, too, where the, the conventional wisdom is um, of a certain kind of accepted thought context, but if you really want diversity, like the Medici effect book mm -hmm. that was so famous a few years ago, really we need to be open to hearing other viewpoints and look at things through different lenses. And that's what you helped me do. And that's what I love doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's a good point is like, we appreciate that this, the, the conversation across diversity, across race, gender, sexual orientation, any other number of, or dimension of difference, can be messy mm -hmm. and people can have lots of different views. And, and if we don't make it safe for people to be where they are, mm -hmm. then we're not going to get anywhere. Right? Yeah, and that's that one everybody... of the things you did well is like by making it safe, sorry to interrupt you, but I feel strongly Oof. about like small, I've been in small groups all my adult life. I really believe in the power of peer groups and a small group of just men is one thing and then just white men is another layer that makes it safer for us mm -hmm. to really explore these issues of race mm -hmm. so i just really found that more meaningful even than i expected that the mm -hmm. safety was even stronger because we were so demographically similar mm -hmm. well one of the things that i i think of in that space um is we get permission to be humble. And you mentioned that in your podcast as a really strong theme, which I love. I love the power we can grant each other to be humble and uh, be open to. And you mentioned some new lenses came into focus. So yes. Adam, what, what was some of your learning around the new lenses or what, how did it connect to your 
humility as all of us are connected in this work to that concept? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the main topic that I went into the caucus wanting to focus on is the race subject. But then we also got into the sexuality topic, mm -hmm. probably more than I expected to. Mm -hmm. But I think some good progress was made in that category as well. I mean, race was more kind of contemporary in terms of like race said George Floyd and other um, protesting slash rioting going on in America. But we still need to address uh, sexual equality as well. And, and you guys helped me think through some of those things with the other participants. Mm. Is that like a type of answer you're looking yeah, for? Yeah. 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 It goes back to what you're saying about we're all in this journey wherever we are and we get to explore. Right. Like, right. You know, that. Like, like if, if I might say one more thing, you had us break out into small groups. We had the group of 20, but then we had the groups of three or four, sometimes just two. And that was nice as well because then you could more meaningfully get to know one person and where his heart was on a given topic or question that we were dealing with. And I explained in, a, in one of those small breakouts how for me to go from totally intolerant to tolerant of different sexualities was for me a huge uh, path to go mm. down. Yeah. And while I'm not maybe at the place where others would want me to be in terms of I think mm -hmm. somebody was saying like March, you know, we all should be marching and we, you know, I, I'm not there yet, but for me to yeah. take that first part of the journey was a big step. Mm. And I don't know, I felt comfortable enough saying that to the group of 20 and people kind of virtually patted me on the back for saying that. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate your honesty here and your truth as you know, it's like, and there is a lot of sh uh, uh, on that topic of how do we sort out the intersection of religion and sexual orientation, how can we be allies regardless of our personal beliefs? And this isn't, an, a, this isn't a necessity that you have to change your personally held beliefs. How can you be an ally wherever you are on that? And that's, mm -hmm. yeah. Was there anything more that you can point to, Adam, that really helped you shift in that um, sense of what you're saying of tolerating well, or moving for yourself? Yeah. yeah. Well, I just think understanding the ethos of others who are, mm. um, they look like me, but they might be very different than me. Mm -hmm. um, it takes time. So that's not mm -hmm. like a, a text. That's not a tweet. You yeah. know, we, exp we were all together for 16 or 18 hours, whatever it was. But mm -hmm. that leads to meaningful discovery and bridge building. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting too on that is one thing, Ray, that I appreciate you did is you didn't, you know, often we, uh, and we see it a lot lately with George Floyd, we've had a lot more uh, of our clients call up and say our executive team really is interested in doing more work. And ultimately at one point we'll ask how much time and they'll say uh, two hours and yeah. we'll say, that's, hey, look, it's great. And it's great that finally they're willing to step in, but let's get real. This takes real time. It takes time because this, the, and it is a journey. It requires reflection and to come back for it. And I think that that's part of, Ray, what I appreciated about you, because we originally talked about something shorter with more people than Michael, I thought, did a nice job of just raising some issues. And you're like, you know what? You're right. Let's get a smaller group that is more bought in. It's done deeper work. So 
Good job yeah, upselling, did. Michael. Good job upselling. <laughs> yeah, he did. He, 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 was, he did a good job at it. Well, so uh, it's an irony that the shorter pro programs seem safer, but they're actually more risky because mm -hmm. we have more time to stew on these issues in the longer time. And um, Ray, what was any, any learning moments you want to highlight for yourself during those four days? ahas or that sounds like you you know it's different layers for you coming revisiting some of this stuff um well i think you know just the the appreciation for the value in starting mm. you know that that if we can as a country and as a community of white men if we can get the majority of or all white men in our country to begin to think about these issues and challenges, the, the opportunity to benefit our, each other and our families and our communities and our country are infinite. But the beginning is, is unnatural. You know, we've been in the majority our entire lives. We've had the power. We've had the control, whether we know it or not, whether we whether we've really acknowledged it or not. We've been in that position. And so getting someone to be willing to take a step back and to really think about um, what it means to see each other um, as uh, fellow countrymen and women um, it, is an incredibly valuable. So I'm hopeful that one of the silver linings to the challenges that we are going through as a country is that there's going to be many, many more men, white men, who are open, their minds are being opened, whether it's out of uh, frustration, anger, um, or hope, uh, and, and curiosity that, that we are opening our minds and hearts to what is in the best interest of everyone in our in our community and in our society um and and so i'm i'm encouraged that um the work of wmfdp um can can enable and support that effort yeah and it's it's often um you know the framing you said it's difficult to start so white men we don't think diversity is about us we often think it's about helping other people with their issues and we don't really see how the role as we have as usually insiders in many organizations, how critical that is and how much we need to be a part of the solution, particularly to engage each other because everybody else is always in the role of having to educate us, which is enormous burden on other groups, white women, people of color. And so that, that you know, I, I just applaud your courage in trying this approach um, and, and, and then the challenge you had in enrolling your colleagues, you said you had to engage about 80 colleagues to get. I thought it was more selective. I thought you only asked like 15 of us. <laughs> I'm like, you humble that's right. me. That's a good thing. I'm humbled once again. That's good. You were, you were like one of the ones that said yes right away, Adam. Maybe. So. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's, you know, so what, what do you see as a possibility now, um, now that you've seen, this cohort of yours go through it. Um, do you, have you already gotten an indication of some differences across the jumpstart culture of guys more open to sharing their learning or more hearing things differently? Or 
is it too well, soon to tell? I'm, I'm really excited to engage with the group to have that conversation. It's a little, you know, I have yet to have it, but I certainly intend to have it. And certainly WMFDP provides tools and resources uh, to enable the conversation and the, uh, to continue, you know, not just for us as a group, but us as individuals. So, so, you know, I really am hopeful that there'll be not only, you know, hundreds of white leaders in Cleveland, Ohio, but ultimately thousands and millions of white leaders, white male leaders that will, embrace this content and be uh, catalysts to change. I mean, we all know the basic statistics of, you know, the U.S. is going to be a minority-majority country in a generation or less. Um, yet today, white men have almost all the power um, and influence and control over resources. So the sooner white men have deeper, better, stronger insight on these opportunities and challenges, I think the better it'll be for everyone. Um, the other element that I'm, I'm, I true, you know, truly believe is that this is, that these issues and challenges are, are about not winners and losers um, per se, um, but that this is really in the best interest of all of us as Americans and that this is an and problem not an or problem. But the only way I think we're going to see it as an and problem is for folks to start their uh, journey or their process of insight and learning because so much of this comes to folks such as myself as unnatural or just brand new. I haven't thought about these issues and challenges uh, in the way that I now have begun to understand and think about them. Mm-hmm. Well, and Ray and Adam, let me ask this. So I hear you talk about the role that white men need to have. And obviously, from the name of our company, you would know that we agree. And uh, also aware that when people first hear that, um, they, they don't understand. So I imagine you've had some conversations with others who might not be as friendly an audience. How has that gone? What, did you, what have you learned to help you have those conversations? Because that's also a difference. You have a difference. Your view is... We need white men to step in and there's others out here and like, uh, and with different extremes in there. So I'm just curious, uh, and really for both of you, what, what did you learn that would help you have that conversation so that we actually start to conclude as opposed to create more black and white or binary thinking around this? Do you want to take a shot at that, Adam, or do you want oh. me to? Go ahead, Ray. Um, I, stumped, I stumped the panel. I think the, uh, I was. <laughs> so for me, um, I think I come at this work and those conversations first um, in love and in sincereness. You know, that I realize, um, particularly now, um, you know, given all the things and, you know, whether it's social media or the election or all these things that are in front of us, um, that I really um, want to, when I talk about these issues or bring up these topics, I do it in a way um, that is um, really about respecting the person and respecting their point of view and not trying to convince them per se of something other. Um, um, but to, to 
motivate them to start their learning. So another um, interesting example, when Taha Nasi Coates' book, Between the World and Me, came out, I had someone uh, recommend the book to me, and this had already been on the bestseller list for probably a year. Um, and I bought, I bought the book, read the book, certainly had not read, had not read any James Baldwin, had not read a lot of the, the canon of, uh, or the most important works in this space. But for me, that was a really helpful book because one, it clued me into a different point of view and perspective. And obviously it was a well-respected book because it had been on the New York Times bestseller list for a year and a half. Uh, at the time. And so what I ended up doing is, I don't know, I ended up probably buying 50 to 100 of those books and just passing them out to white men in the community. I had no idea their politics or, you know, I mean, you you gave me one. Right, right. Um, And just to start a conversation, start a dialogue, um, because the hardest part is the starting. It's, it's not the continuing, it's the starting. Um, And again, wherever someone is coming from is fine. Um, and that to me has been a really effective, um, way to begin. And, you know, in all reality, that is my number one goal is just trying to help more white men leaders in our community begin to think about these issues. And of course, some push it away. I'd have to say though, of the, you know, 50 or 75 folks, there was very, very few people that, There was some, but very few people who emailed me back or called me back offended or upset. And if they were offended or upset, I'd just say, hey, let's get together and talk about it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, because again, we all come at this from uh, from different perspectives and points of view. And and we have a lot to learn from each other um, in that way. Uh, Right around the time of the um, caucus, you know, one thing that was noticeable in my life was I, I wasn't available every day for a week. So that alone led to the conversation about what were you doing? Well, I was in this white man's caucus and you know, what's that all about? So I was actually, um, believe it or not, I was talking as luck would have it that same week to the former president of Morehouse college, uh, Dr. Bob Franklin, historically back college. He actually ended up running for Congress special seat. Um, when the other Atlanta congressman died uh, this summer, and he encouraged me to read the letter from the county jail. Was it the mm. Martin? I can't remember King. what. Yeah. yeah, it was King, but I can't remember what jail, like the Selma jail or the mm-hmm. whatever. But so powerful. And I had to read it in high school. And, you know, maybe I read it once since then, but then to really slowly read it now through the lens of the white man's caucus, it was really, really powerful. So maybe that could be something you guys include in your content in the future. I, I would recommended because I know most of my white peer group doesn't spend too much time reading that important document, but wow, what a document. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The perspective is others of others. And um, I'm sitting with what you shared a few minutes ago, Ray, where, you know, touching other white men with love and um, you know, there's a perception out there that somehow we're touching other white men with anger or blame or shame or anything. And the, one of the things that I know deeply is that we gain as much as anybody else in this process. It's not about others gain and we lose. This is like, I don't know, you both have examples, but there's guys that go home and they find that there's ways that they've actually improved their relationship with their spouse, having done this reflection or their coworkers. There's different kinds of 
listening to understand versus fix or debate or not trying to fix something, but being more present. I don't know if any of that resonates with either of you. Well, I just want to highlight though, it's a Adam, your humble leadership, which you talked about earlier. And I think that ties into Ray, what you said, and it was your word, not ours of love, right? Which I know can be a also potentially a triggering word for white males as well. Right. Yeah, and, I, and I would combine it with respect. I mean, the reason why I um, reach out or connect to white men on this topic is one, I respect who they are, uh, the lives that they're leading. And I know many of their, their minds, uh, if not their hearts, but many of them both. And I just have a tremendous amount of respect for them. And I know that um, the more um, if you kind of going back to the mindsets, the more one of the great <laughs> insights for me is what it means to incorporate multiple perspectives, even if they're contradictory. And if you sit with those differing perspectives and you lean in to understand and appreciate those perspectives, it can transform your head and your heart. Mm-hmm. And that to me, that, that, that's work. That does not come naturally. That is not. Um, now, at the same time, though, many of these uh, mindsets are incredibly powerful in life <laughs> in general. Again, I said, like, I'm a fixer, right? I mean, uh, and I'm also going back to strength finders. I'm a maximizer. So, you know, in order for me to feel good about myself, I've got to get through my entire list and I've got to solve a bunch of problems. <laughs> well, today, not, not just in this week or in my life, that is what has historically motivated me to do everything that I do. Well, there's many things above and beyond uh, issues and challenges around diversity and inclusion where that's not going to work for you. And it mm-hmm. actually hasn't worked for you. And you just <laughs> haven't realized it. That's right. Um, and so... So I do think this, um, anything that is um, a little bit unnatural or maybe in the case of diversity, inclusion, and equity, it's kind of wickedly complex, particularly if you're a white guy, because you just haven't had to think about it. And yet you've had this wind at your back. I've had this wind at my back my entire life, and I just didn't know it. And so when you do realize you have it, um, you didn't ask for it. You know, you didn't earn it. You just Mm -hmm. have it. When you realize that you have it and you understand the benefits of it, what do you do with that knowledge to benefit your fellow American or human or, um, and that's really to me, a lot of what this work is about. Appreciate that. Ray, lots of good advice. You're you got those mindsets down. I can hear that. Um, Adam, anything else in our last few minutes you want to share or advice you have to others or other white guys considering this kind of learning journey? Uh, I guess to know that we don't know it all and to acknowledge what Ray said, that we often do have winds that are back that we don't even realize we're benefiting from. Uh, I try to do this type of work one person at a time. Uh, yes, I have a podcast, but while we have diverse guests on and talk about diverse topics, it's not really the mission of that particular um, medium, but um, I try to live my life, you know, always seeking to be the better version of myself. And a key part of that is these issues of equality. 
Mm-hmm. Thanks. Any any last words of wisdom, Ray, you want to share as we wind down to listeners? Well, for anyone listening, I just encourage you to, you know, seek tools and resources. Of course, there's plenty out there, but WMFDP has been a great partner uh, in my process of trying to not only better understand where I'm at and what I'm thinking, but then tools uh, uh, that can be shared with others, obviously incredibly well vetted um, uh, resources. And so um, I'd encourage anyone listening um, to do that. And, you know, if you, I suspect many listeners are on their journey of learning and understanding, um, but to continue to press on for those and for any that are curious to start, because the most important element in this is starting and getting your fellow teammates and, and community members to start along with you. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Adam. Thank you, Ray, for, for being on this journey with us and for taking the time to share today. Wayne, is thank there you. anything you want to add closing? No, no, I just say thank you so much for the insights, the reflections. Uh, I feel touched, right? Mm. You know, particularly this last part talking about, you know, the humbleness, the love, the care. Yeah. Uh, and respect. I like. I, lo- I loved a lot of that. Thank you. Yeah, it's a really collaborative energy that you're both discussing, which is what we're about. How do we, how do we continue to grow America for everybody so that awesome. we all thrive? Thanks. Thank all you. Right. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Insider Outsider Podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WFTP and FTP Global specialize in getting insiders to understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders as well as outsiders in building inclusive teams and organizations. Our work takes us around the globe, transforming people and companies towards a more inclusive world. For the show notes about this podcast and more about the work of WMFDP and FTP Global, visit wmfdp.com slash podcast.